All right, sorry guys up there, this is going to be a little different. James chapter 4. I need to correct something. Wesley, your mom does not put up with your attitude. She usually corrects it. So don't ever think that we're putting up with it. Um, James chapter 4 tonight, I, I would like to... Uh, I'd like to just share a few thoughts with you graduates. These all apply to all of us, really, but um, like you guys know, like you've been told, like you'll probably hear at your graduations, um, like you've probably heard at other graduations or from other people, you are embarking on your own life. For many of you, you have made a lot of decisions already, and your parents have given you some leniency and some slack on the line, and they have allowed you to make decisions, but those decisions are going to change. Your responsibilities are going to change. And you're going to be making your life decisions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, um, But trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. That word lean is like crutches or a cane. It's a crux. Trust not in thine own understanding. Or lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lean on your wisdom. Don't lean on yourself. Don't lean in your own, on your own ability to figure something out. But trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And out of James chapter 4, I want to give you just five principles, and I want to ask you this question. What will your life be? What will your life be? Your life is going to be made up of choices, decisions, you're going to find a spouse, you're going to buy a home, you're going to buy cars, you're going to have careers, jobs, you're going to move, you're going to have kids, you're going to raise those kids, you're going to teach those kids, and you're going to live a life. And when that life comes to a close, because it will come to a close, what will it be? What will it be? Will it be a job? Will it be a car? Will it be a hobby, a vacation? What will it be? What will it be? James chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For what ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The first thing I want you to think about tonight is this. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take anything for granted. Verse 13 says, go to now ye that say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Notice what he says. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. That 20-year-old young man from Brush who died in a motorcycle accident was not planning on dying. He wasn't planning on it. And listen, I want to challenge you with this. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take your mom and dad for granted. Don't take your grandparents for granted. My wife, how do you say it about uh, liking those who like you or liking those who invest in you or whatever that is? 
My wife has this thing that she always says, and it's this, value those who value you. Many of you have friends in high school, and you have people in your life who are totally worthless. They don't really value you. They don't treat you well. They don't mean you good. They mean nothing but harm for you. But for some crazy reason, we value those people's opinions. But they don't actually value you. Many of you have parents, grandparents. You have a pastor. You have people in your life who value you, want to help you, encourage you. But you know what we do? We take those people for granted. And that's the unfortunate thing about many of our lives. We take the people who actually matter for granted. Don't just assume your parents know that you love them. Tell them you love them. Don't just assume, oh, mom and dad know that I'm thankful. Say thank you. Don't take things for granted. Don't take anything for granted, ever. One day you'll have a job and you'll get in trouble for taking something for granted. You will assume somebody knew something or somebody was gonna take care of something and you'll pay the price for it. That's a job. Unfortunately, we do that many times in our marriages. We do that in our friendships. We do that in our relationships with people. We assume and we take things for granted and it causes problems. Don't take anything for granted. I lost my dad, I think going on 13 years now. I can, man, it's so in my mind. We were coming back from taking a, a girls volleyball team to a state tournament. We pulled into the, the, the school parking lot. My phone rang. I can see me answering that phone and my brother telling me that my dad was killed. And man, I can see it in my mind's eye. I remember the emotion of wanting to take that phone and just chuck it against the, the van. I can see all of it. And I understand, Jeremy, there are days when I break down. There are days when I crawl into a hole and I just don't want to come out. And you know what? I think back to that. I lived in Georgia. My dad lived in Arizona. And there are things where I say, man, I wish I wouldn't have taken that for granted. Don't take anything for granted. The second thing is in verse 14. Here, James asks a question. For what is your life? And I want to ask you that question. What is your life? Listen to me. Your life does not consist of the brand of clothes that you wear. Your life doesn't consist of the car you drive. It doesn't consist of the home and its size and the furniture that it contains. Your life is not a status symbol. What is your life? Don't let your career define you. What is your life? What defines your life? All too often we allow things, circumstances, wrong people, or what people, what we think people want from us, we let those things define us. Don't let those things define you, Tabby, Nick, um, Shelby, no, yeah, no, it's not Shelby, it's Kendall. Don't let those things define you. Thane, don't let those things define you. You're going into the ministry, there's going to be all kinds of expectations. There's all kinds of groups and sects, and everybody has an opinion and an idea, and they're going to press those upon you. What matters? Like your dad said, this book. You guys are going to go to college. You're going to live lives. What's going to matter? What your boss says? What your coworker says you can get by with or get away with? No, no, no. 
what God says. What defines your life? Let God define your life. Let this book define your life. Uh, I don't remember exactly how the quote goes, but you know, many times we waste time worrying about what people think when in reality they're not even thinking about us. And we waste time worrying what other people think. Don't waste your time worrying about other people. Waste your time worrying about what God thinks. Spend your time there. What does God think about my life? What does God think about my decision? What does God think about my attitude? Let God define your life. What is your life? Don't take anything for granted. What is your life? And then the next thing I want you to think about is in verse 14 again. He says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? And then he says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your life is short. Period. And not only is your life short, but it's fragile. It's fragile. This 20-year-old died in a motorcycle accident. What was it last year? The young man from Fort Morgan who was in the truck accident, I believe, north of town, who died. Listen, you are not exempt from death. Just because you're 18, 19 years old and you feel invincible doesn't make you invincible. This body is weak. It is fragile. Our lives are short. Notice he compares it to a vapor. You've probably cooked tea on the stove or you've, you've eaten a hot meal and you've watched that steam rise up off that plate and it's gone. You see it just for a brief second and then it disappears into the air. And that's our lives. Our lives are short. All of our lives are short. I thought it was interesting, Kareth saying, you know, she had a church full of grandparents and I thought, man, we really need to start reaching younger families. <laughs> hey, don't take offense to that. I'm sorry, I'm just picking. <laughs> Miss Judy will beat me up after church. But listen, you're not guaranteed 80 years. You're not guaranteed 90, 70, 60. Some of you have already reached that. But you're not. You're not guaranteed tomorrow or tonight or five minutes from now. You know not what is going to happen with your life? Life is short. It is temporal. It's fragile. So make the most out of it. Make the most out of it. Do the best you can with it. Give it to God. Let God use it for his honor and for his glory. Let me say this. Learn to trust God with your life. You know what your biggest problem is going to be? You're going to be tempted to trust yourself with your life. You're going to think you've got it figured out. You're going to think you know what to do or what is best or what will make you happy. And the truth is, is you don't know. God does, though. God does. Your life is short. Don't take anything for granted. What is your life? This life is short and temporal. The fourth thing I want you to think about is in verse 15. For that ye ought to say. So here, James is going to correct the attitude. You're taking things for granted. Your life is short. You're assuming you're going to do all these great things. But notice what he says. He corrects the attitude in verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will. We shall live and do this or that. The fourth thing I want you to think about is this. Keep your eyes on the Lord. 
Keep your eyes on the Lord. What does God think? And guys, that's the most important question you'll ever ask. What does God think? You'll go to buy a car, and you'll get online, if you're anything like me, and you will look up all the specs, and you'll look up all the information, and, and which one has better features, and which one has this, and what does it come with that? Or you'll buy a house, and you'll get a, a home inspection, and you'll pour through it, and you'll pour through all 9,876 pages to find out that there is a hole in the sheetrock somewhere, or there's not an electrical plate cover, uh, outlet cover on one of the walls, or something. And you'll get into the details and you'll do your research and you'll try to figure it out. And you know what you'll do? You'll lean on your own understanding. Put your eyes on Jesus. Ask God what he wants. Ask God what he thinks. Ask God what he thinks you should do. Hebrews chapter 12, I'll just read these real quick. Verses 1 and 2 says this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here, Paul is talking about your Christian life being like a race. Now, if you've ever trained with weights, weights build strength, or if you've ever pulled a tire on a rope or had a parachute-type device attached to your back to, to create resistance while you run, you don't compete with that. You take that off. That way you're faster, you're stronger, you're quicker. So here, Paul says, lay aside every weight and the sin which is gonna be, that will beset you. Get rid of those things that are going to hinder you from running the race that God wants you to run. But then in verse 2, the very first word, looking. Listen, when, a, when somebody runs and they compete, they don't look here. They look here. They have a goal. They have an aim. We had a kid in Pennsylvania that, uh, that ran track. He, run the eight, he ran the 800. And we would, and then we had a man in our church who uh, ran track, uh, Division I track. And we would go to the track meets, and it was so much fun with him because we would run as long as we could alongside him, and we would scream, go, Josh, go, 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 go. And you would see him smirk, but he didn't look at us. He wasn't really worried about us. He could hear us. But where was he focused? Where he was headed? He was looking towards his goal. And listen, as you guys run your race, as you live your life, you're going to have your eyes somewhere and put them on Jesus Christ. That's the best goal. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he ran a race. He endured the cross despising the shame and is sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. If anybody deserves and has the right to have your gaze and your focus, it's Jesus Christ. Look to God. Look to Jesus. That should be your focus. These people here in James chapter 4 had the wrong focus. And notice he confronts that in verse 16. He says, but now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Now listen. Wherever you're going to college, whatever you're planning on doing with your life, if that's not God's will and you're boasting in that, your boasting is evil. Anything you do outside of the sphere of God is your own. And the Bible calls it evil. He calls it evil. 
As a Christian, your gaze, your boasting is to be in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And the thing I want to close with is in verse 17. And here we see a a stern reminder. So we see, don't take anything for granted. What is your life? Your life is short and it's temporal. It's fragile. Fourthly, keep your eyes on Jesus. Fifthly, a stern reminder. Verse 17, he closes. Notice he says, therefore. He says, therefore. So he comes to a conclusion. Because of the above information, I now have a conclusion to give you, he says. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Listen, you live your lives without God, you're more than welcome to. You can. God isn't going to force you. God isn't standing over you with a hammer or a lightning bolt. God gives you the, the ability to choose, but know this. Your choice to live without God or to live in, uh, to live without God or, um, no, I can't think of the word I was just thinking of. You live your life without God, though, and it is sin. You live based off of your understanding. You want to take things for granted. You base your life off of everything else. You don't keep your eyes on Jesus. And listen, it is sin. And the truth is, is it's sin for all of us. All of us are to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. All of us are to be concerned with, number one, what does God think? What does God want? What does God say? All of us are to be consumed with that. That should be our focus. And listen, you are going to be tempted to have so many things be your focus. You're going to have to fight to keep God as your focus. It will be a fight. It will not be easy. It will not be easy. But let me say this. We sacrifice for so many things. We sacrifice for the sports we love. We sacrifice for the hobbies we love. We sacrifice and we give time to so many things. To keep God as the focus of your life, to make God number one, to stay running towards the Lord will take sacrifice. It will take saying no to somebody or something to go after God. And I challenge you tonight, go after the Lord. Let me ask you a question. When you get to the end of this life, what will it be? What will it be? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you loved us enough to send your only begotten son to die for us. But not just to die for us, but Lord, you also gave us your word and you you gave us the things that we need to live a godly life, to live for you and to run or to chase after you. And Lord, I just pray that that these graduates, these, these young people would have a heart for you. And Lord, I just pray that they would make you the focus of their life. I pray that they would make you the goal and that they would chase hard after you. Teach them to sacrifice. Teach them to say no to something else so they can say yes to you. And Lord, I pray that when they look back on their lives one day, they'll see your hand, that they'll see your blessing, 
that they'll see your will done in their lives and that you'll get the glory from it in Jesus' name. Amen.